and welcome to The Ordinary Knitter, the knitting podcast that's mostly about the projects. Find it on iTunes and now Acast through your podcast app or subscribe via the feed link on the website. My name is Heather. You can find me on Instagram at The Ordinary Knitter, on Twitter as at The Ord Knitter and on Ravelry at Ordinary Knitting. Welcome to episode 72. I hardly know where to begin this week. I've had elements of the pod ready to go for literally two weeks, but between being a bit bit busy, it's that time of year, isn't it? It can get a bit too much sometimes. I'm feeling that a bit this year. I'm such a lightweight. And having an awful lot to do. And then my um, hard drive went bang. So it took about a week for my husband to get that sorted out for me and that meant in the end a new hard drive and so then there was all sorts of hoopla around that and so today is the first time that the new drive's all settled down and I've got Audacity running on it so if anything doesn't sound as it should or is a little odd please bear with me I'm just settling down with having to get everything set up all over again uh, on what you know is effectively a new machine really well that's not strictly true but um Also, I made notes to try and keep the umming and erring to a minimum, and I'm a bit guilty of that. And I haven't really touched them in the last couple of weeks, but a lot has moved on. So I think I'm going to be jumping about a bit. So I will will, will attempt to be as coherent as possible. Thank you for bearing with me during the hiatus. I've had a quick look at my stats. I'm I'm not very stats-driven. I do this just for the pleasure of talking about knitting, and it gives me a little bit of an outlet there's only so much you can say to your family who are very sympathetic to your knitting but aren't actually in the zone you know there's only so much you can share with them so this is really a vent as much as anything well that sounds wrong a flare it's all the knitting chat that I just can't keep inside any longer Uh, this is where it all comes out Uh, So I will try to remain coherent as I uh, bring everybody up to date and I'm delighted that people are still listening even when I fall off the edge of a cliff for a couple of weeks. I was saying I'm not very stats driven but every now and again I have a look at them and I'm just, I'm so delighted that, you know, it's more than sort of my mum who actually bothers to listen and get something from it. So thank you very much wasn't last week, it was at least two weeks ago, uh, I left everything on the chemo cap cliffhanger. I've made a lot of progress since then and I've made a lot of progress since I'd made a lot of progress as well. But there was also quite a lot of ripping out and sulking. My head is so full of everything that has to be done before Christmas that I'm almost struggling to cast my mind back now to all of this. But um, there was one, I think it was the, yes, the chemo cap that had the lace edge. What the, the thing I didn't like about this hat is that you cast on and that in itself had proven not to be straightforward because I kept using the wrong cast on and you go straight into the lace pattern. Now, I discovered, I did, couldn't have told you this before I started, and I've discovered that I don't particularly like doing that because I don't know about you, but I often find a cast on edge can be... A, a, a bit uh, uneven I suppose I don't know if it's the tension or whatever but uh, to have to go straight into a lace pattern to have to go straight into joining to knit in the round although that has been improving I was never happy it it felt scruffy um, and I was beginning to feel that this hat was my nemesis and initially I was thinking I, it, I can just put it down it can go to the back of the queue 
I finished the version that I planned to rip out, uh, switching down to DPNs in the final crown decrease rounds. I think this is because I wanted to see how the sizing worked out in the end. Um, so I sw yeah, so I switched down to DPNs because it was becoming really quite tricky, even with Magic Loop. But instantly I remembered why I stopped using DPN, because I find them such a fiddly handful. There's always a sharp end ready to stab your wrist or something getting in the way of the yarn. Um, but nonetheless, even though it was a pain, it was preferable to the laddering that had occurred, trying and failing to finish this project on Magic Loop. Uh, and it didn't help that I realised far too late that I'd been pulling the yarn too tight after making the first stitch on the new needle. So what happens with that is if your yarn is round the cable, which it will be, rather than round the needle, uh, as you are shuffling your stitches around on Magic Loop, if you if you pull your yarn tight round the cable, of course the cable usually on a, a circular needle is a much smaller diameter than the needle so then you will also get a stitch that is a much smaller diameter so when you then as you shuffle your stitches around you try to move that stitch onto your needle which might be three and a half or four millimeters as opposed to a, a two millimeter cable it can get incredibly tough and when you're not getting on very well with the project in the first place that sort of things just you know can finish you off but if I didn't pull it moderately tight I'd have a baggy stitch so it really felt like I couldn't win with this blooming hat. So I finished it, as I had said, but I didn't bind off because I was finishing this hat just for the hell of knowing whether the sizing was right. And so I just plonked it on my head, still attached to the needles, just to get an idea of size. Now, this was always going to be a bit tricky because I have a good old head of hair and this is a chemo cap. But as far as I could tell, it was okay. Uh, I then ripped it out straight away, not my hair, although it was becoming a bit of a borderline issue, and I cast on again. If you listened to the pod before, you'll know that the choice of cast on had become an enormously big deal. Um, I used a very basic cast on, which probably has a name, you know, German tram conductor or Latvian bacon slicer or something, which makes about as much sense as the Chinese waitress cast on as a name. So that made it much easier to go into the lace round. I wasn't trying to do a clever cast on. I even managed again to join to knit in the round without twisting. So I should keep a tally and always aim to improve my personal best. So I'm now on three times in a row and counting. So initially it went well, but as I talked about above the stitches became awkward to move I've never had such a problem with that as I did this time and I had a nasty feeling about the stitch count this was borne out when I got towards the end of the round I needed to have three stitches in hand and I had only two so I began going backwards through the stitching, counting, trying to identify my yarn overs, my K2SP and K2 TOG from behind on only the third row in. And honestly, for my knitting, doesn't say much about it, but doesn't say much for it rather. Um, if my cast on row is a bit wibbly, two or three rows in, especially when you're having to do particular stitch techniques, it can also still be pretty wibbly and it can be quite difficult, especially because I've not done too much. Obviously, I've done quite a lot of K2TOG, but K2SP, not done all that much of it. And I was finding it quite difficult to distinguish what was what. Um, but before I could even work out where I had gone wrong, disaster struck. As I pushed and pulled these stitches that were this wee bit too tight, I pulled the screw thread off the end of my cable. I think it was one of the cables that had come with my original Knit Pro Symphony set. So to be fair, it will have been used a great deal over the last two or three years and I can't expect them to last forever. 
So I ripped out again. I dismantled the needles from the cable and put them onto a longer cable. I did wonder if part of the struggle I'd been having was that the cable I used maybe just wasn't quite generous enough for proper magic loop. I'd maybe just been making it a bit harder for myself than it needed to be. So I picked another cable at random. I think it was an X size up. But um, by that point, I really didn't want to carry on. So I just put, I just put it away for the night, went and did something else. It was a couple of days before I picked the project up again. You know, I wasn't looking forward to it by this stage. I cast on, I went straight into the lace round. Almost immediately I lost track of where I was with the lace pattern, no matter how often I counted. Apart from generally being a bit of a numpty, you know, it's so hard to read what's going on. You, you know, if you're if you're 10 rows in on stocking stitch and you're doing a bit of a technique and something goes wrong, it's so much easier to work out what's happening. Um, and I just I couldn't tell by looking. I, I pulled it all out again and I just decided that I was going to abandon this pattern and look for something that didn't take me straight into a lace round. I just really didn't want to know by that point. For something I enjoy so much, I get a bit resentful when a pattern is really causing me headaches. You know, there are those patterns where you can't quite work out what's going on, but you want to, you want to, maybe it's not that you want to win, but I'm not going to be defeated by some sticks and string. You you want to do the pattern and, you know, it's engaging your brain in a, in a healthy way. It's a bit of a challenge, but that's okay. And then there are those where you think, I am just trying to nail a blancmange to the sea this is ridiculous why am I doing this and I had really got into that territory with this in order to make three versions of this hat I had bought three 50 gram 115 millimeter balls of DK so that was three chemo caps same design different colors this is what I had to use I couldn't go back and buy any more and I had to use what I'd bought so I use the feature of the Ravelry pattern search page that allows you to put in a yarn meterage. This is on what Ravelry terms the advanced pattern search, but to be honest, it's the only one I ever use because it allows you to set so many parameters, and many of which I, I don't need to set, but I find it really, really useful. So it's worth going to have a look at that. You can put in your, I mean, you know, yarn weight's a pretty obvious one. If you've got some yarn that you're wanting to use for something, um, you can obviously search for the type of thing, whether it's a tea cozy or a jumper or a pair of socks. You can put in how much yarn you have. You can put in techniques that you want to include. And you've also got more sort of, uh, as I say, significant, uh, I'm not sure that's the right word, but, uh, much more black and white things such as I want a free pattern or I'm prepared to pay for one or I want something with a photograph. I can't imagine myself choosing a pattern that didn't have a photograph. Uh, there th there's an option that allows you to look for patterns that are downloadable. If you're buying a pattern, for instance, it can be downloadable or whatever. So there's a lot of options there and it's worth going to check them out. I use it a lot. So yarn meterage was my priority this time. I wanted to things that used only that 50 gram, 115 meter uh, amount of yarn. So there were a few that I liked including The Chain Hat by Agnieszka Rammel, Double Up Hat by Krista McCoy and Saral by Claire Devine. But in the end, my eye was caught by a fair isle pattern called Mart Mutz Fair Isle. But Puk Vossen, who I, by Puk Vossen, who I assume is Dutch, the download PDF is in Dutch, but it's not difficult to put through Google Translate and then just tidy it up a bit. So that's exactly what I did. I love doing fair isle. So this hat hugely appealed to me. Plus, it's the time of year for fair isle. But what really grabbed me 
is that the three hats in the pattern picture on the Ravelry page are in permutations of white, red and green, which are exactly the colours I have, except they're called natural, cherry and khaki. I wanted a stretchy cast on, so I googled it and I came up with Lorraine L's extra stretchy cast on for ribbing. It's fascinating to watch and quite fun to do, but once I started knitting the first proper round, I could see it wasn't going to be suitable as there's the potential for the stitch to pull quite tight round the needle as you manipulate the stitches and leave long loops between the stitches. I realised also I'd cast on with the wrong colour. So after one round, I, four, I say wrong colour, I mean, in a sense, in a Fair Isle hat with a sort of abstract design, there's really no rights and wrongs, but it wasn't the colourway that I had wanted to do. So after one round, I pulled it all out and um, started again looking for the right cast on. I watched a video by 10 rows a day called simply Three Ways to Make a Stretchy Cast On, and the first one really appealed to me. Effectively, it's a long tail cast on, but the part under the needle that you form with the yarn that's over your thumb when you're doing a long tail cast on is doubled. So you get a firm but stretchy cast on that looks very neat as long as you keep your tension even as you cast on, which I might or might not have done. As I was casting on, I thought the style and firmness of this method would make it very easy to make sure that your stitches weren't twisted as you joined. So for that hat, I used the Drops Cotton Light in Khaki and Rico Creative in Cherry and Natural. They're all DK, but the Drops feels thicker and has proven itself far easier to split than the Rico. The Rico must be woven a little more tightly, perhaps. I'm totally ignorant about weaving and yarn production, so forgive me if I've just said something really embarrassingly stupid. It took me a few rounds to get used to Fair Isle again. My fingers wouldn't obey at first, uh, but I've managed to develop some kind of system. I've tried, th I tried threading the yarn through the fingers of my left hand in the mirror of how I thread the yarn through the fingers on my right hand, but it doesn't stay put because the action of my left hand is different from the action of my right. So as I knit, it slides off. This does or can affect my tension, but I try to keep on top of that as well as um, it affects also your floats. Um, but again, I'm trying to keep paying attention to that and also paying particular attention to where I anchor the colours I'm not using. There are sections where one or other of the two secondary colours aren't used for several rounds. So to prevent long vertical floats, I anchor these within probably a five stitch section, like a range of five stitches every couple of rows as I go. So if you aren't familiar with Fair Isle, um, if you anchor your floats under the same stitch every time, you end up with a visible run of colour showing through your knitting. So you need to vary it now, on the basis that when you bring in, if let's say you've got red and you've not used it for three rows, when you do start to use it again, because of the way, you know, Fair Isle has most of its colours fairly evenly spread through the row. So you're likely to need your red within two or three stitches or five or six stitches at the beginning of your row. So my vertical floats were going up. I was knitting in the round. My vertical floats were going up at the beginning of the round. So when I say I was anchoring them within a five stitch section, obviously I wasn't anchoring them under the first stitch of the round every time. I was anchoring them, you know, two, three, four, five stitches in, or even sometimes one or two stitches before the end of the previous round, just to make sure that... Um, I kept it sort of mixed up and avoided the, the visible streak. The trouble is, I paid so much attention to keeping my floats unobtrusive, I think it's my specialist subject now, and tensioned just so, 
that I forgot about colour jog. That's the point where a stripe meets its own tail. And if you don't do a little technique, you end up with a staggered edge. That's what happened on each of the red stripes, because as well as having a sort of what I mentally think of as almost little space invader shapes of Fair Isle, there were also one or two stripes. Um, and I realised after I'd bound it off, that I had these this flipping colour jog and I was I was annoyed with myself because I think it looks really amateurish and it's so easy to avoid it you've just got to you know, little light bulbs got to go off that says do this at the end of your stripe so I put the hat on a spare head and as I went to put it on I thought it was quite tight and when I tried it on myself it practically squeaked and that had nothing to do with having masses of hair so I decided to make a second one in the larger size and to amend the rib now, after a casting on with the way the pattern's meant to work, you do one row of knit in the main colour, then you do a two by two rib with that main colour for your knit stitches and a second colour for the purl. And hand on heart, I don't feel that works. I really don't, I don't want to sound like I'm criticising the pattern because this is purely an objective opinion about a style feature. There's no right or wrong. Uh, and I have enormous respect for people who can successfully create patterns. So it's not a criticism. I just didn't particularly like the effect. So as well as getting that odd colour effect when you purl one colour um, over another colour on the right side, it just doesn't look or behave like proper ribs. So I thought to myself, right, okay, the next version is going to have a standard ribbed cuff, be in the larger size and have tidy floats and no colour jog. But when I looked at the pattern, I found my memory had been playing tricks on me and there is no larger size. I'm surprised none of the comments on the pattern have mentioned how small it is. Obviously, my first thought in these situations is I must have done something wrong. But I really couldn't see it when I went to look at the details. So um, I've given it to my son and he likes it, but it's quite snug even on him. And the little tyke, I can see he's been pulling at the floats. <laughs> Although I love Fair Isle, one of the drawbacks from my point of view is that you really do have to concentrate. Now this can be a wonderful thing, concentrating so completely on something you enjoy that you don't think about anything else can be um, a wonderfully restorative experience. On the other hand, and this is probably one of the things I've struggled with most as a parent, bizarrely, because I wasn't prepared for it, is if you're wanting to concentrate on something and you're being interrupted. Can, it drives me mad and I won't now pick up a uh, fair isle knitting unless I know I have at least half an hour where the most I'm going to have to do is go mm, oh well, that's lovely oh very good you know I'm not going to have to get up and do anything I don't have to pick anybody up I don't have to cook a meal I don't have to do this that or the other uh, for me it's really not worth getting organized with my pattern my project and three balls of yarn if I know I'm going to be interrupted every five minutes or heaven forbid have to get up so for this sort of reason um, I didn't take my knitting to my son's karate lesson partly because I can't hog all the chair space with my fair isle setup but also because he had a grading this is when they go up from one colour belt to another and I knew I was going to be required to watch him very closely so I decided to um, leave all fair isle things behind and instead I wanted to have a go with the zings. I think I talked about these before. 
uh, these lovely pointy fixed circulars from Nipro. Uh, the, my, I got them in a 2.5 millimeter with quite a long cable. I don't really do cable lengths. There's quite short, medium and quite long. This is quite long. Um, and this was the one, the needle I had to buy in order to try making drops horizon highlights. This is a beanie with the welt knitted in a 2.5 millimeter needle. And I'm making this in lovely soft colors from the drops baby alpaca range in Heather in light pink. Having been slightly rude about the drops cotton yarn just now when I was doing, having my abortive attempt at uh, the Mark Mutz hat, I'm a huge fan of the baby alpaca range. Sometimes it's possible if I'm slightly fumbling it, I can still stick my needle through the yarn, but it's only every now and again. And that's largely because it's garter stitch. And I always find with garter stitch that you're slightly pushing against the tide. So I only do it every now and again, but generally it's a lovely, lovely soft yarn to knit with. It feels beautiful in your hands. The project feels nice. Uh, I don't get on with wool I have a horribly sensitive skin but alpaca is lovely it just doesn't seem to have uh, any of the problems that I find with wool I don't know if that's to do maybe alpaca doesn't have lanolin in it or there's something else about it that makes it bearable but I can see me becoming quite a fan of alpaca and in fact now I cast my mind back I remember I had an alpaca jumper when I was a teenager and it was a fair isle at the time I had absolutely no idea I was walking around in such a stunning piece of knitwear <laughs> it was a bought thing I found it I found it in a shop somewhere in Guildford um, it wasn't handmade but it was lovely and I'm I'm thinking perhaps I'm not going to make very many large items of clothing for myself you know in the way of jumpers and so on but if I am looking to do it in the future I think yeah alpaca and silk I could go for that so I decided to use the same cast on as I had for the Fair Isle beanie so this is the long tail cast on with the double strand going underneath but I couldn't quite remember how to do it and signal out we live out in the middle of nowhere and signal out at this village hall in the middle of the countryside is a bit unreliable so I couldn't really look it up I couldn't really look up YouTube on my phone instead I sat there because not only have you got the normal miles of yarn that you need for doing a long tail cast on but because I had a double strand at one point I was just I was sitting there swathed in yarn it was flowing out of my left hand I had hair thin needles in my right hand and I was twisting and turning trying to work out what to do no doubt gurning away as I tried to work it all out uh, unfortunately muscle memory came to my rescue after a couple of minutes and I was away casting on 122 very small stitches uh, unusually this hat is knitted flat and seamed so there was no need to join in the round I just about did a, a lap of uh, delight around the room um so yeah you know my initial reaction was yay but um I'm not sure I'm going to be thinking that in the same way when it comes to seaming it all up with everything matching perfectly it's not a fast hat my goodness a four ply um I knew I mean I don't need it spelt out to me that a four ply hat's going to take maybe twice as long as a DK hat but god this really does take forever I think it actually takes more than twice the time because you I don't knit as fast on four ply because you've got to pay such close attention to it so that day I managed about four rows of the two by one rib uh, I decided that I was going to put that to one side because it was obviously going to be very slow pro progress and I wanted to knit something that I could give to my friend sooner because at that point I'd only given her the one hat and I wanted to follow it up with something um, a bit sooner than it was going to take me to get the uh, 
um, Horizon Highlights finished. So I cast on for a replacement Fair Isle hat. This one is named Laura's Fair Isle hat and it's designed by a lady named Sue Mitchell who created it for her daughter Laura. It has one main colour and four subsidiary ones. So I decided to cast on in navy blue because I have absolutely loads of that. We're back to DK for this hat. So in fact, I'm doing what really you shouldn't do in that I'm using acrylic and cotton. But I didn't have four brand new colours and doing it this way at least allowed me to use quite a lot of the colours I had already bought and in fact the colours have worked out really really nicely but I won't get ahead of myself. So I cast on in the navy blue which turned out to be the skein from hell. I don't know what went wrong but it looks like a particularly boisterous clutch of kittens have been having a time with it because it was just I was unpicking sort of stretches of it at a time to use and then it's one of those where no matter how careful you are trying to get to the origin of the tangle it's just not happening you can only ever go so far and then it just tightens in on itself and you've had it so I'm not sure what I'm going to do I'm looking at this thing it's sat on the well not strictly on the floor it's sat on something on the floor it looks like it's been dropped from a great height which it probably has um sometime maybe in the spring on a nice balmy day when I've got some time and a decent light I might sit outside and listen to something and maybe just try and unpick it and rewind it but I think I'm going to be having to feel particularly calm and laid back to uh, approach that so that's the anyway that's what I used for casting on because that's the main colour and I had a lot of it I used a standard long tail cast on this time I knitted four or five rows of flat rib before joining to knit in the round and that all worked very nicely I'm uh, using my four and a half millimetre Knit Pro Nova Cuba cubic short tips with my shortest cable and it all fitted on very nicely. I've been avoiding short tips because I convinced myself that they made my hand pain worse. But in fact, I don't I don't know what was different this time, um, but I felt it went better. I've, I've learned when my hands start to hurt, I just have to stop. It's just one of those things. If I force it, I'm going to end up with problems and I just I can't afford that in my knitting life or anything else but I didn't have nearly such a problem with it this time which is great because as I was saying before I've mislaid my standard length um, interchangeable Nova Cubics which is just puzzling me very much but then my knitting cupboard my yarn and odds and ends cupboard has become a little messy again it's fair to say particularly all the stuff that's piled up on top and this time of year is a nightmare because my office being somewhere where my son in particular rarely has any excuse to go into it becomes a bit of a dumping ground at Christmas for things uh, and foods and also our post-Brexit rations emergency bags of food so um things that have started to get quite piled up in here and I have absolutely no desire to start unpicking it all to look for one pair of interchangeable needles so I'm just living with it for now this hat worked out magnificently I'm Sue Mitchell has put together a really lovely pattern it worked out fine I, I went wrong once or twice realized very swiftly you know within a few stitches that I'd gone wrong and just went back and corrected it. This, I did something with this pattern that I've never bothered to do before and I'm completely sold on it now. And it's to do with marking your sections. Off, off, off the top of my head, I should say, spoiler alert, I finished this hat now about two weeks ago. Um, Cause we're, you know, we're, we're going back a while. Um, 
this hat was the pattern had a repeat of about 12 stitches so normally what I would do is just stick in one of my standard unfortunately plastic stitch markers every 12 stitches and then I'd know where I was and if something went wrong I could very easily trace back to what I was doing it also made I was because I was thinking in sections of 12 and I was getting that visual marker literally all the time of sections of 12 uh, it meant it was very easy to get into the groove of each row and what you were doing with each row but uh, I'm, I swiftly decided to not to use the plastic stitch markers and instead just use little loops of yarn now they can be a right bugger to make because the yarn wants to go everywhere and it's too big or it's too small but it's worth sticking with because the lovely thing about little bits of yarn is that they don't they, they don't have any bulk between your stitches so you don't get any laddering um they're really unobtrusive sometimes they come undone which can be a bit frustrating but on the whole they've behaved very well um and they just made all the difference and i've continued now to use them um, now that i'm <laughs> i'm getting this is all going to get a little bit muddled but i'm now back making horizon highlights and making a lot of progress on that and i'm, I'm i've saved my my little thread stitch markers I don't make them anew every time um, I keep them in a little plastic pocket and they're great again so they're really worth doing I think if I was if I was knitting something in Aran or bulky you know a, a, a thinish plastic stitch marker wouldn't be here or there but with that fair isle and now that again that I'm back onto a four ply project I think there's the potential for a stitch marker suddenly in comparison it begins to look bulky so that's really been worth doing so the fair isle hat just flew I've put a few pictures on Instagram and um, somebody very kindly commented on how even my colour work was and uh, my reply when I managed to reply from the right account because I run three accounts on Instagram uh, one work one personal one knitting uh, was that I had really enjoyed doing it and I wondered if that's why it had come out so nicely because I always I think this applies to making bread as well if you're a bit peed off when you're making bread not it's not something I do all the time although I really want to get into making sourdough in the new year because I'm really into my ferments at the moment um, I think if you're being if you're a bit peed off and you're you know really beating seven bells out of your dough I think you know and or and pastry and things I think they don't work out very well and I think it can be the same with knitting you know if you're not enjoying a project I just I think you're you become tense it affects how you hold yourself how and how you do your knitting where and conversely if you've really enjoyed a project I think that can come out in the finished uh, article so I was really pleased with it. Um, I didn't try it on because I tend to lose quite a lot of hair and I was nervous I might leave a hair behind in it. Um, but I put it on my spare head. Um, it looked great. I was really happy with the colour combinations. I had to go ferreting around in my stash for one extra colour and I got um, a light sort of appley green. So that was navy white red and an appley green which sounds like it should really clash but for whatever reason it didn't because you don't get heavy chunks of color in fair isle i mean except with the possible exception of your background color but that's always chosen with care um it it just actually lifted that appley green just hit that right little note of brightness and i was really really pleased with it so i think it's highly likely that i will be making 
another one of those at some point. Anyway, I have now passed it on to my friend who was saying that she expects to have lost all her hair pretty much by now. So I'm glad I've been able to give her something else. So I'm now moving on to the Horizon Highlights. That's been my main project over about the last 10 days. Um, just sort of picked it up, finished the ribbing. Um, then you do a section where you add in a second colour. So I'm doing it in a baby pink and a heather colour, very appropriate. Um, and there's, it's interesting, you use yarn overs in two different ways in this pattern. And I've learnt so much about yarn overs. Um, it's been, obviously, it's a main uh, technique in lace patterns. And I'm discovering that a lot of hats have lace features in them. So in the earlier rows, not too far above the welt, you use your yarn over in such a way as to create a hole. And that's part of the pattern and that's all fine and regular and looks quite nice, actually. Um, and then further up, when you're into your increased rounds, you're using your yarn over as an increase technique and in order not to leave a hole you knit into the back of the yarn over which is interesting that's not something I've done before I mean now you know I'm motoring with it because I've done so many of them now there's something like five or six in a row and I'm on my 12th or 15th increase row by now but interestingly the the drops patterns used to scare me when I was a not very experienced knitter, a friend of mine used to use them all the time and I would have a look at whatever it was she was, I'd have a look at the pattern as opposed to the project and I think, gosh, you know, it had the sort of terrifying phrases like reversal shaping. And I think, no, tell me what to do. You know, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't have the confidence. I Maybe I could have done it, but I didn't have the confidence to believe I could have done it. Anyway, what are we now, six years later or something? And although I'm not going to reverse the shaping in my head, I've got to write it down, but I have such a, a greater increased understanding now. And, and this was one of those situations where you basically had to stand on one leg, uh, rub your tummy, pat your head and recite the alphabet backwards in order to get everything in the same place and in, in the right place. And in those situations, I find the only thing to do is write your project out line by line. So we had a situation where two rows of garter stitch was a ridge two ridges was a stripe and you were increasing something like you were increasing every other stripe for the first three and then every fourth for the next seven or you know something like that and it was just I had to write it all down which I did and it's fine and I'm, I'm happy with my stitch count and I've now got I think uh, an in you do an increase row followed by three rows of knit and I've got two more sets of that to do uh, and then I think it's just a case of just carrying on with garter stitch until the piece measures a certain amount and then you do your decrease rounds but I'm not sure now um, if I'm going to carry on with this in the short term or if I'm going to be getting on with the dreaded Christmas knitting. I say dreaded and I shouldn't. I think I'm being the Grinch a bit this year. I love Christmas but there's just been an awful lot of pressure and stress this year and I think it's um, I think it's just sort of gathered pace a bit but it'll be okay. It'll all be okay. Um, so I think this year 
if I was setting myself a huge program of Christmas knitting like I have in recent years, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. Well, for certain last year, I made my sister-in-law a cowl because she was coming up to stay with us. She does a lot of dog walking and, you know, she would appreciate something to help to stay snug while she's out and about. Um, so I made um, one that I was really pleased with. I really liked it. I'll put a, a link to it in the notes. But also one year, was it last year? I made an awful lot of pairs of socks. I have a feeling it was the year before, actually. I think I made a lot of clog socks sort of at the last minute to go in as stocking fillers. And we had quite a few people staying with us, including one or two sort of last minute members of the family who hadn't quite decided what they were doing. So between my husband and his sister, um, between them have seven children. Uh, three of whom are well grown up and you know we weren't sure if they'd be with us or whatever so I had some last minute uh, guests who I I couldn't have them uh, not you know if one person's got something hand knitted it would just feel wrong to not knit for someone else it feels like a bit of a statement and not the kind of statement I want to be making Um, so I think I, I knitted myself into a bit of a frazzle that year because there was so much of it to be done I think I was still finishing off on Christmas Eve, which isn't funny, really, because although you enjoy the knitting, what you're doing on Christmas Eve is a project you want to be carrying on through that Christmas New Year lull. And into January, it's not something that you've got to have finished before you can go to bed that night. That can take the shine off things a bit. And I have deliberately not planned to do any knitting for Christmas this year because it's just with make it if I'd not been making the hats for my friend, maybe I would have. But I've been happy to do them for her. And I get the impression it's she's enjoyed just having an unexpected little surprise here and there. You know, I doubt it's making her feel much better. But, you know, it's always nice to think that someone's been thinking of you. And the one, but I've decided the one exception is for somebody who's coming to stay with us. I'm going to make them a pair of herringbone mitts, much like I made for my husband a couple of years ago. I I found the herringbone stitch quite hard to get my head round initially, but I think once you get the hang of it, you're away. And they look quite effective, so I'm going to have a go at those. And. I'm just having a quick look at my stash, but to be honest, there's so much stuff piled up in front of my cupboard, I can barely see it. But I have, um, from recollection, they're made in a chunky, and I've got quite a lot of chunky. It'd be nice to get some of it used up, and this is obviously the time of year for knitting cosy things and a chunky yarn. But honestly, I don't think they would be the work of more than three or four evenings. If I've not had too much of a day, then, you know, I'll have the mental energy in the evening to get some of these done. And I'm always casting around for something that I can give uh, to the postman, to the bin men. I have to say I'm not nice enough to make three pairs of these for the bin men. (laughs) They'll get beer. But uh, our post lady, she's always very friendly and jolly. And I thought if I gave her a pair of these, she can still use her fingertips for all the things she has to do when she's making her deliveries, but they might just help. Then again, they might not, but hey, you know, it's not really any skin off my nose to make them. So the two exceptions this year for Christmas knitting are the herringbone mitts, and I will put the link up uh, on the show notes to that pattern. So I think that's me for now. Um, who knows when I'll be back I'm full of good intentions but so many things hurl themselves into my path and uh, take up my time just like it is for everybody I hope you're enjoying your Christmas knitting Um, my knitting's existing in a bit of a vacuum at the moment really I sit down and do a couple of rows and then I have to get up and go and do something else so I'm not keeping up very well on Twitter or on Instagram I had a choice this morning well 
ish when I sat down it was morning I could either sit and knit for half an hour or I could come and do this and I thought if I don't take the opportunity it's going to be Christmas Eve (laughs) before I find myself with an hour again so here we are slightly thrown together but I hope you'll forgive me Um, I hope you're enjoying the festive season it's all really gathering pace here now with school events and so on and uh, planning in earnest and shopping and cooking oh my goodness the cooking but I'll be glad I did it Uh, when the day rolls round. Um, I hope to catch up again with you soon. Bye!